Hello and welcome to How to Stay Married So Far. If you're listening on podcast, you can also watch us on YouTube and vice versa. Vice versa. Watching us on YouTube. <laughs> I described bipolar the other day as Bo Pilar. I, I thought it sounded really nice. It sounded like a jazz saxophonist, doesn't it? Are you going to start renaming your mental conditions? Yeah, I suffer from bipolar <laughs> stage five. <laughs> he does actually have bipolar, yeah, in no, case anyone thinks he's no, I have, I have taking bo- the piddle. I have bipolar. Mm-hmm. Oh, in a minute, we're going to say something that's normal. Um, oh, how to stay married? Yes, sorry, for a minute, I wondered where on earth we were and what we were doing. So, we are discussing, I guess, we're kind of discussing therapy speak. And the way in which um, going into therapy and receiving therapy can be harnessed or used or the language of it and the ideas of it can be used in uh, potentially a controlling, misogynistic, coercively controlling, though not just misogynistic, it can be used by women as much as men, uh, to control the narrative to and and to coercively control and to um, actually do the very opposite of what we all think therapy is meant to do, which is make everyone, well, certainly your life easier and more comfortable and happier and more balanced, but in the process, equipping people with therapy speak, or as they used to call it, psychobabble, that allows people to somehow actually really control and gaslight potentially their partners. And the peg for this, the the kind of springboard for this idea, was the Joe, or is the Jonah Hill story. Um, And I have to stress that Jonah Hill, this is a historic relationship. Jonah Hill hasn't been with this woman, Sarah Brady. I believe she's a surfer and a surfing model. Uh, And she... uh, She she, has bipolar. Yeah, she's bipolar one. She shared some screenshots of some texts that were sent by Jonah Hill, the actor. uh, You'll know him, very famous actor, comic actor. um, That he sent her when they were in a relationship where he outlined the boundaries that he wanted to be put in place for the success for a potentially successful relationship with her and she screenshot these and she uploaded them posted them on social media to say if these are the conditions of a relationship or if someone sort of tries to set these kind of boundaries look for the exit door immediately and this has kicked up a lot of discussion about the way in which you know what felt like a setting of boundaries to one person Jonah Hill was perhaps a set of extraordinarily strict rules to the person on the receiving end. Mm. What were your first thoughts when you saw? I mean, in a minute, I'll read. We'll read what he actually said. If you want, should we read that? Yeah, first? read, read what he said. So the original text that he sent to her, which was obviously we don't know the context. It's really important to say these are private messages that she's made public. I don't think we've. I don't think Jonah Hill's commented on this yet. If some of our texts were, were published. What we've said to each other over yeah. the years, we could be imprisoned. Put your hand up now if you're not in a WhatsApp group that <laughs> you wouldn't be entirely comfortable with. So many negatives in there. People seeing yeah. with people saying anyway so she posted this this this, so this is what Jonah Hill said to her about the conditions for their successful relationship plain and simple if you need he said to surf with men boundaryless inappropriate friendships with men to model she was a surfing model and was uh, when he met her yeah to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit to post sexual pictures to have friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, then I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the way these actions have hurt our trust. 
she she's also posted, which hasn't got as much kind of uh, publicity or attention, but alongside it, there is another uh, sort of Instagram story or TikTok or something that she's posted, where at the top she says, Sarah Brady says, this is a warning to all girls. If your partner is talking to you like this, make an exit plan. And this is part of another sort of WhatsApp chat between obviously her and Jonah Hill, where she's obviously said something along the lines of, these are all the posts that I've already removed from my page. And he says, good start, but you don't seem to get it but it's not my place to teach you. I've Ugh. made my boundaries clear. You refuse to let go of some of them and you've made that clear. And I hope it makes you happy. Yeah, I just, oh my God. Oh my God. So many things. <sighs> wow. First of all, imagine saying you can only have stable friends. How stable is he? Well, that, that is not a stable man. I mean, this man hasn't, I mean, you know, I mean, I've been, look, I've been a huge fan of his as an actor, as a director. Uh, he's recently made a documentary called Schultz, is it, about his own psychotherapist. So he's, you know, but I, I, I can also see on the, and sense that he's struggled greatly with it, with his own mental health, as so many of us do. So yeah, we often to wield the I've word had, stable. I've had some really interesting conversations with our daughters out of this, actually. So thank you very much, Jonah Hill, it's helped with them. Yeah, it has. I mean, that's why these things are so And I was saying to the girls the other day, I said, you know, when me and Daddy were growing up, we did not have the use of the word boundary. No. Our parents... I'll tell you what a boundary was to me. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what a boundary was to me. It's the edge of a cricket field. Yeah. Well, boundary to me was like mum and dad moaning about whose boundary it was to put (laughs) the fence up. Scoring a four or a six. That's all I knew. And I said to them, I wish I had known the word because I think I would have taken a lot less shit than I did without realising at all. I was just a ball of impulse. Yeah. Everything I did was just impulse. But then I said to them, but, but what you've got here with what Jonah has done is you've got a very blurred line of when is something a boundary and when is something that somebody is trying to put a law on you within their little kingdom Mm. or queendom Mm. and there is a difference so we did this game where i said so your boyfriend says to you da 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 is it a boundary or is it a law oh that's a boundary da 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 is this a boundary or a law Mm, that's a law and it was really interesting Mm. how confused we got with it it was a really good conversation like like for instance i said to them so you are living with your partner and there is a friend of yours that every time you go out, you get absolutely plastered. You know, you've got a hangover for three days afterwards. You come in at three o'clock in the morning. Your boyfriend says to you, you know what? This friend of yours is a real... It's a real... It's, it's, it's just really difficult for me and I'm really mm. uncomfortable when you go out with them and it always seems that this friend doesn't care about you and ends up hurting you, essentially, because you never get that blind drunk with anybody else mm. I really wish you would see her more like for lunch or something like that is that a boundary or is that a law is that co- the beginnings of coercive control or is that somebody caring mm. and that's the one that we had the biggest discussion about, out mm. of so though young people and even at any age we are more armed with this language and therefore possibly think that we're more empowered in some ways, it's complicated things even further. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think there's so many aspects to this that are interesting because, um, I mean, someone said at one point when I was discussing this story with them, I can't remember, or someone said, oh, but, you know, yes, they're strict rules or they're, they're, they seem very sort of specific and sort of almost sort of anal and controlling but he's not saying stay with me. Nah. He's, no, 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 I, I get it. And, 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 and it's kind of like, and you sort of think, well, okay, if he knows he can't 
deal with any of these things or cope with any of these things. And these are his, if you like, these are his own red flags that he, or his own boundaries that he feels he can't contend with or deal with for whatever reasons that he's even not happy with himself. Is it better that he says it rather than allows the relationship to develop and they spill out in potentially more coercively controlling fashion. I mean, it's a really tricky well, one. Well, if, if it was our daughter and, this, and they were showing me this text from this guy, I would say, well, first of all, when he met you, you were a surfing model. Yeah. He liked your photographs on Instagram. Good point. So if this is something that he needs for a healthy relationship, he shouldn't have pursued a relationship with you. And... If he wants to communicate, he could communicate this in a different way. Listen, I'm still working on a whole load of stuff within myself. Sometimes I might appear jealous and I know that's something I've got to work on because this is your job and mm. you, you surf and you surf with men because he's told her not to surf with men. And that's what she does. Mm. So I would say unless that's all coming to you in that way and still that's difficult, then this is about control. I remember years ago I went out with somebody and they actually asked me, I was going out, and they said, oh, you're not going to laugh a lot tonight. Oh, he actually fell out of his mouth. He didn't know he was saying it. Because, wow, OK. So anyone that knows me knows I laugh a lot. So when you met me and you liked me, I was laughing and a lot. first but day now she laughed you, at me for half now, an hour. Now you don't want anyone else to see me laughing. So also... There is always a power balance in a relationship. There's always somebody that they know that they have a bit more power or the other person likes them a bit more. You know, in early relationships, there's always that. So he's Jonah Hill, the big movie star. She, uh, she's obviously enamoured with him and he says, no, no, it's fine, it's absolutely fine, there'll be no hard feelings, we just don't have to continue the relationship. You know, if these are mm. things that you can't do, then that's fine and we'll be friends and that's OK. Bullshit! You know that that girl is probably going to say, oh, OK, which she does. Which she's, the obviously other made, she's obviously made some... Because what, what you feel from the second text is she's obviously made some steps towards him saying, these are the photos I've taken down. And he says, that's, that's great first step. That's the bit where it all starts to become really... I mean, it's a really valid point. It's that idea of you're drawn to someone for, for one reason and then you want to change the reasons that you were drawn to them. And, and you know, mm. it's like, don't be what you were when I, when I mm. fell in love with you. That's what I always warn the girls about. If you start to hear somebody saying something that you know that... It's, it's, like a, it's like a green flag about mm. you, and they stop questioning that. Well, the word Always that... talk to your friends and your yeah. family to get another perspective, because it's when you get into the echo chamber of another person just telling you something the whole time that things go tits up. I mean, it's interesting, this idea of, you know, your other friends being unstable. I mean, that made me literally roar with laughter, and I'm saying this as a, a lover of women and a father of daughters and da-da. You know, what woman... Of humans. What woman or man isn't or hasn't been unstable and pretty much you know that's what makes women interesting if you want to even just genderfy it for a moment is how unstable yeah but say that i had a friend that you know every time goes oh come on oh don't be stupid have another bottle of wine what's wrong with you and then i fall in at three o'clock in the morning Mm. where does that then become you caring about the person and this is what's difficult well that's really straight away one of our daughters said oh no i'd tell them to i'd tell them to bog off if they told me i couldn't i said yeah but but what about if they're caring about you? What if like, that friend is an unstable person and they are leading you astray? Trying to take you down. Well, leading you astray is a very... You should, one should no, never but, say that. But leading, leading, no, but leading astray from your own moral compass. Because there Who are... I, care, I can think yeah. of... And this isn't a gender thing. I can think of countless male friends of mine 
And I, when I look back, their sole intention was to lead me off the grid and to lead me to all sorts of places that I, should, I wouldn't have normally gone in under. Mm. And I was easily persuaded mm. and easily so lured and all this other, kind of stuff. So, yeah. if, so if a partner had said to me, and it's interesting how sometimes, and I wonder if this is a sort of gender-specific thing too, you know, if you meet a woman, and I'm talking as a man, as a, as a single man back in the day, and there would be that thing of, oh, I'd always be led astray. Or, but the point is, you lead yourself astray. No one else is responsible for this. You're making the choices. So don't, don't, mm. don't, don't make any sort of, you know, don't be confused about that. But, but... I do remember having a girlfriend in the past who said, you know, I really don't think they're good for you. And I really don't think they've got your best interests at heart. And I do remember also the issues in that relationship pivoted around my sense that she was quite controlling. And again, you know, where she was right, how that was expressed in a text could be very, yeah. it could be very easy to read yeah. that text as a controlling text. Yeah. And just a, a little additional detail of what was weird about this story when it broke. I was doing a number, numerous Zoom chats with, an, bizarrely, a number of male potential actors that I'm working with about a project which is about coercive control in the form of texts. And it pivots around a woman going out with a friend that the partner believes mm. takes her off too much. And all of these men, which I was really surprised by, really paused in all the of actors. That, the actors. Yeah. All of these men paused in their discussions. And I thought they were incredibly... Oh, I mean, obviously, they wanted to do the, do the gig, but... They all admitted that if they were to have gone into their phone message history and looked at all of their correspondences with a microscope between them and their loved ones, who they love very much, any number of things they've said, but also their partners have said, could be read as controlling. Mm -hmm. Because what's interesting is where's that balancing act? Of caring. Be between care and investment. Mm -hmm. You're invested in because the imagine, imagine if, Imagine if, the, take it from another side, imagine if Jonah Hill... Yes, he was attracted to her and the fact that she was a surfer and all of this, but then through time he's seen that actually it, it, this can be very negative for her. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. if, oh, you know, right. she says she has bipolar one. What if, what if, I've got no idea, this, I'm just making this narrative up, she's got a group of friends that always encourage her to drink or something which isn't good, you know, there's always two sides to the story, mm, isn't there? Mm, so mm. It, it is... It is difficult, but I think what's interesting, we often talk about young people and about how difficult it is for them because people, you know, kids will say stuff on social media that they wouldn't say if they yeah, were, yeah, yeah. they had the person in front of them, they say on text, they say on Snapchat, they say, I don't think it's just kids. I think it's, I think it's adults as well. I think that we've all got to a place where we say things through and you were saying even your actors were saying this weren't they that actually they do tend to communicate with anything that's tricky or difficult they tend to do it more on text oh, yeah, than they do they've had the most personal conversations yeah. these days through text people seem to go through sms texting social media communication has, has put a bit of numbness a desensitization yeah. between us and the person so there's also that whole mm. area of 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 what what, what goes on, I think. But one of the things that I think is really interesting about this, so you've got that whole sort of, you know, is the word boundaries, we've talked about that, but boundaries as, as, a, as a concept, the idea, and I think this is a real problem, this isn't just confined necessarily to romantic relationships, though it's, it's an obvious kind of battleground for it, if you like, is where therapy speak or therapeutic ideas or being in therapy can actually destroy a relationship as much as theoretically make a relationship because what can happen and what you felt or what I feel in those texts is a certain a certain aspect of kind of superiority in the way in which he's used the term boundaries and what have you 
But um, if you think about what happens in a therapy, therapy session, you are, you're paying someone to yes. agree with you. Well, to a large degree, the person will say, I'm not interested in anybody else, I'm just interested in you, which is what everybody yeah. wants to hear from a therapist. Well, this and this, this and this is something that I'm really intrigued by because, you know, obviously... I've kind of moved into the foothills a little bit of kind of, you know, um, therapy, training and counselling. I've always talked about what I think are the benefits of group counselling in a non-paid-for environment. I, as soon as you have the financial incentive and you have a client scenario, what's really odd, if, you really, if I begin to really interrogate what actually a therapeutic scenario is or situation has, runs the risk of being, I'm not saying it always is, it becomes an, an inherently narcissistic thing where you're paying someone to, even if they're trying to challenge and nudge you around things, validate you, by and large. They're, gonna, they're, not gonna, they're there for you. They're not there for someone else necessarily, unless you're going as a couples counsellor or what have you, but they're there for you. And it's a relationship. And insofar as all relationships can be manipulated and managed and controlled, you, if you're, you know, the problem with the therapeutic scenario sometimes is it's so hard to scientifically and literally define where what you're saying to your therapist is part of your problem, how you're presenting the truth is part of the problem. They have to go, by and large, at some point on trust that what you're saying is true. Is true. And I can think of countless situations where phrases like these come up. My trauma is such... And this has been validated by my, by my therapist. And that's not, my, my line on trauma and humans is everyone has had trauma. Yeah. It's relative. You could have grown up in what looks to most people, the optics to most people, is the most sort of meaningful, safest, you know, benign What's environment. What's wrong with you? You've had What's a good childhood, yeah. Just that's the wrong judgment. But it's not wrong for that person to have had trauma. No. Everyone has relative to themselves, trauma. And I almost feel like what it, it, the nature of being a human being... Is that you do. ...is allowed, mm. you're allowed to hit that point of trauma. My truth is another one. My truth. If I hear my truth once more, I feel like saying, yeah, but it's not the truth. My truth is important for you, perhaps, when, and, and when you're dealing with your therapist. But when you bring it to a relationship, you have to be engaging in an our truth. Because our truth is something very I different. I think the problem is people use my truth now instead of saying from my perspective. Yeah, but they because use... Because that is a diff there's a big difference in that. And the problem is, when, as soon as you say truth, you're excluding somebody else. Absolutely. Whereas if you say, listen, from where you stand, that's how it feels. From where I stand, it yeah. feels like this. From my perspective, why did we lose them? From my perspective, from my standpoint, from my position... It's, it's just truth. The word but this truth is the kind of, that's just my point. Problem. This is the kind of language that I think therapy, unfortunately, it's, people can yeah, harness weapons. this language and then suddenly it becomes used in a really, really nasty way, I think, yeah, potentially in relationships. Um, it's, it, you know, and, and there's a really, I found this really interesting piece in uh, on the NBC News uh, website. It's, uh, and a, a therapist says here, Whenever we use jargon in ordinary conversations, we're shifting the power dynamic, whether we intend to or not. Mm. This is a health educator and therapist who says this. What happens in therapy speak is there's a little bit of this moralistic virtue signaling. Mm. Like, I'm a little bit more informed, I'm a little bit more emotionally mature, mm. and I'm telling you... I've done you, the work. Yeah, and I'm telling you that you're harming me in this way. Mm. With, and, with a certain amount of authority, because I've done the work and you yes, haven't. Yeah. yeah, and I can think of not just 
in most, you know, romantic relationships within which this happens. But I, I, I think, you know, therapy can at times, you know, in a sense, allow people to entrench themselves in appalling interpersonal skills. And I think this is a ticking time bomb. I think this is a, I really think this is a ticking time bomb. We talk about medication, we talk about, um, you know, antidepressants and the freedom with which everyone signs up. I think, forget Panorama and ADHD meds. Let's explore, really explore, the way in which therapy is, not all of it, but huge swathes of therapy, talking therapy, is merely a process of people paying to have a mirror held up to confirm what they feel about themselves already. Mm. I think it's... Well, the bad therapist. Well, yeah, bad therapist. Yeah, but I mean, how do you monitor what a bad therapist is? It's, well, you it's, don't. It's you intriguing. can't. That's what's so difficult. That's it's what's so difficult. And I think because it's not a pill and because it's not necessarily... I mean, obviously, some talking therapy can be prescribed. But um, I think it's very difficult when you are... When somebody is going through therapy and you're the you're the partner of that person going through therapy. Mm. Because whatever way you look at it, you know, it's rather like somebody is going through some sort of... If we, if we moved it to a medical procedure, mm. you know, a necessary thing to keep that person well, then you have to stand back for whatever that person needs because this is about them mm. getting well. Mm. You know, you need your injection at 6 o'clock, everything has to stop at 6 o'clock. And, but, but it's much more clear. But with therapy, it's so difficult because mm. it's like, you know, I mean, you know, if you use us as an example or even when our kids have been having therapy or for you when I've been having therapy, it's like you've got, you know, it's, it's like, for instance, with you, to use you as an example, always a couple of days before you're going to therapy, you start saying, oh, I really don't want to go, I really don't want to go, I just don't want to go. And, you st and it's like a build. It's like it started and now it's building and we're going and like you just have to wait to see what happens mm. and then you go and then you come back and then like you'll give little bits of it. You say, oh, it was very this or it was very that. But you don't know whether, is that because you want to talk about it? Presume mm. And I always say to you, don't I? I'm here if you want to mm. talk about mm. it. And so you're just like, it, it is this eggshell mm. situation because you're wanting to give that person the space mm. to feel what they're feeling and yet... It's like we were saying the other day, and it, marriage disallows people to have their space because, like, if you're in a mood and you live on your own, nobody knows. Mm, but no, but you've always got to be answering to somebody else. So, for instance, you know, the other day you woke up and you were really down. So um, then I tried to sort of cheer you out of it. Realised that probably wasn't where you were. So I'm trying to work out where are you? Is this a place where you just want to be quiet? Is this a whatever? Is this whatever? And then later on you said to me, "Oh, it, oh, it was nothing, and I'm fine." But, and I said to you, didn't I? I said, but it wasn't nothing to me. It was mm, small mm, to you. Mm. But for me, it sat right in the middle of my whole morning. Mm. Because it was just like this beating thing, but I couldn't do anything with it because it was your beating mm. thing. And the person that's in the therapy is going through all the thoughts, working out what's been stirred up. And you can see that, but it's like... You've got to just walk all around it. Mm. So that again is like, where's the boundaries of that? What's okay? What, where, where does that? How long does that person get to have just all that space to just be and to just think? It's incredibly complex. I thought that so, space makes it sound like. I mean, no, no, I'm not talking necessarily about you. I'm saying about anybody. I think that therapy goes has to, to come with a health warning. Yeah, there because, are side effects. 
Because I think what often will happen is, and I'm so glad you're doing this therapy. And for, for me, it sounds like it's she's a great person. But being, but I know about I know something about therapy, and you've been through rehab, and mm. we've done. So I I I don't. When you started the therapy, I wasn't thinking, oh, this is great. Mark's going to be sent off, and Mark's going to become back mm, a, a happier fix. person. No, happier. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's If you're yearning for somebody you love to go to therapy, it is a process for everybody mm. in the house because shit doesn't get sorted just by being packaged away. Shit gets sorted by everything being thrown up in the air. Well, and also doing the work on your own. I mean, I think one of the, one of the interesting things about the Jonah Hill story that really kind of resonates for me, and this comes out of conversations I've had with the girls. Nadia has most of the most sort of deep and meaningful conversations with the girls about, you know, being a girl, being a young woman, relationships, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I do like to come in on those conversations every now and then as mm. the bloke and as having been a boy and, 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 you know, a male perspective and my take on things. And sometimes I notice that girls really like to have quite a clear, sort of robust, sort of, you know... Um, almost sort of you know unconditional stance on things sometimes yeah, even if they those... don't even hang on even if they don't want to even if they don't want to hear them but one of the things I do want to flag up which I think is a real cause for concern and this therapist that the NBC article was was talking to really flags this up and it's, it's important is something that in a conversation I was having with one of my girls uh, not that long ago is the way in which therapeutic speak and mental health issues have become threaded into control speak and misogyny amongst younger kids and younger generations. Mm. And it's happened in a way that they're not even necessarily aware, aware that it's happened. And this, this language they yeah. picked up, isn't it? Can you that water? And this quote here really sort of talks about it. It says here, although many millennial men have gone, through, gone to therapy or younger men have gone to therapy, mm. they still operate with many of the systemic iniquities of the patriarchy embedded into their way of thinking. So they still have male advantage. They're still, we're still in a patriarchal, they're in a stronger position. Mm. which could be why they use therapy speak unwittingly possibly but Just not always unwittingly <laughs> yeah as a manipulation tactic and i actually think that we are in a very dangerous place where therapy and mental health can be used to justify yeah. everything too many slogans it's just one line, you know, well, I can't think of any now, but you'll see them. You know, these things that you can buy and put up on the wall. Mm. And it's like, what, what's underneath that? Where does, where, what was the genesis of that? Yeah, what's no, but it's the, really the tricky for young it? women. But young boys and girls, both yeah. of them, yeah, yeah, both they use it, they use this, and they don't, like you say, they don't really know what they're doing. And our girls will say to us, oh, my God, they think that we're living in one of the most misogynistic times. Yeah. It's just that it's wrapped up in a different way. It's wrapped up in weakness. It's gift It's wrapped, wrapped up in weakness. It's gift wrapped. It, well, it's gift wrapped with slogans. Well, and again, going back to these conversations, I was having really interesting about casting for an actor who's conducting themselves in, an, in coercive control. And all these actors wanting to have a compassion for their character that they're playing is this idea of where's it coming from? It's about control. It's about fear. It's about what's the permitted way to enact this control in today's society. It's about you know, and I would you know I would go so far as to say that there is a total one. I'm only talking from the male perspective towards girls because of course I'm a father to daughters, but it's that idea of in weakness strength can be found and control can be found. And I think that is important because it's an, it's an aspect, an element of addiction. We've been through all of this, the way in which the, the addict who's, okay, the victim, if you like, who's the one who's going through the, you know, the, the person going through the addiction or the illness, in, in, the, in the end controls everyone around them through their, through their illness. And, you know, I think 
we are in a really tricky place where it's really hard to know how to navigate even in a married relationship, we're very articulate in all of this kind of stuff. We're even on the, on the, on the level of, that's why this story really resonated for us, because we're on that topic of, okay, well, we are very therapeutic in our approach. We're very sympathetic to people who want to improve themselves or feel better about themselves or, or do work. I mean, I think one of the things that we forget is a lot of therapy isn't just about going somewhere and being told, yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. That's what it's about doing work. And so that's why I had a little blanching moment. There is yes. When you come out of therapy, you're not just sitting there in a Brown study kind of going, Oh, and, and it's exuding. You're actually thinking, how can I change? How can I shift things in you are shifting things in you are changing. And it's very hard to know what of that is authentic process and what of that is actually presenting to the world in, an, in a potentially controlling way. And in this instance, I think it's pretty clear in a text like that that it's pretty obvious. I mean, I'm, I'm almost staggered. It makes me question the therapy he's been receiving that he feels he could have written that and not be at all sort of like, mm, should I send this? Mm. Well, really? Does that surprise well, it's, you? No, because it's so overtly controlling. Well, I know, but as we say, it doesn't. You don't go to therapy and then you're a no, fixed person. No, 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 I know, person. I know. But for he saying he, he's made a documentary, but it's just amazing, isn't it? How, yeah. how, yeah. what I'm saying the is, isn't it amazing that he can be so. This is a man who, before this story broke, I thought he's the go-to on Netflix documentary on therapy, psychotherapy, the points of it, the reasons of it, yeah. the nuanced details yeah. of it, and suddenly you get the most yeah. obviously teenage controlling. Te yeah. That's a pick-me text. Well, I know somebody that was married to a psychiatrist, and I've never known anybody so controlling really? as that man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, so sorry, the dog just keeps whining. Do you want to go out? I'm gonna just let her out. You want to go out? She's whistling at oh, she's got a bone that she wants to bury. <laughs> um yeah, so an ongoing conversation for sure between us, between us and our kids, between us and our community, because mm. we talked about this on Coffee Moaning the other day, and there was lots of people that had a lot to say about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's more so, dangerous or more frustrating to live with, a narcissist or a narcissist who's gone to a therapist who's mm. made them even more of a narcissist. Mm. <gasps> it's like a horror mm. film, isn't it? Maybe there's a film in that too. <laughs> anyway, guys, if you haven't, do subscribe to the channel on YouTube. If you're listening, you can subscribe to the podcast, I think, on Spotify for sure. So, um, yeah. yeah, and uh, do check us out on YouTube. We have so much content there. We do a lovely little show called Coffee Moaning. Six days a week, where we do the news and other chat. Bananas. We have a huge fun. We had a hilarious <laughs> time this morning. Um, but yeah, so um, lots of love to you.